Good morning, Northies. I hope you're well on this chilly winter's morning. This morning we continue our series on upside down living. And as I was preparing, I thought, well, just for a little bit of fun, I'd Google upside down living and see what comes up. And after looking at dozens of images of three-toed sloths hanging upside down in trees and finding out how many hundreds of species of bats there are in the world, I came across a website that talked about upside down houses. I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I've not seen an upside down house before. And I was imagining the roof at the bottom and the floor at the top. But the actual concept is that if people are building a two-story house in a place that has a nice view, they put the bedrooms downstairs where usually they're upstairs and the living rooms and the kitchen, the family areas are all upstairs and they can take advantage of, uh, of what the view has to offer. That's called an upside down house. That made me wonder whether really our Christian life should be a little bit like that as well to make sure that we're living on that top floor and taking advantage of all that God has to offer us. And that's what this whole idea of upside down living is, that it's, it's against the norm, it's countercultural, and has a different kind of a perspective. The passage we're looking at for this series is from Matthew chapter 5. And I was looking through the different versions of the Bibles that I have at home, and they give different titles to the passage. One version of the Bible calls it the Sermon on the Mount. And that's because the Bible tells us Jesus was standing on a mountainside or a hillside when he spoke to his disciples. And that creates in my mind this image that what Jesus was saying was higher and of higher importance. Another version of the Bible calls it the Beatitudes. And I know this isn't technically correct, but it puts in my mind, be in the attitude of God. And that reminds me that there's a different perspective on life. I guess it's like that top floor of the upside down house. And we need to have that attitude when we're going through difficult times and, and hardships to realize that there are blessings there that we can find. Another version of the Bible called it Jesus' call to righteousness. And of course, Jesus is the one who makes us right with God again. But once we make that decision to follow him, we want to live in the right way. And the clues in uh, Matthew chapter 5 help us to live in the right kind of way. Last week we heard the first of the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And today we go on with the next one, which is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Different versions of the Bible help to paint the full picture of what this verse really means. In the New Living Translation we read, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I love what that says, that we will be comforted and that there's a blessing in that. So we don't have to see those sad times and those times of grief and sorrow as the end of the world, because God is there to comfort us. In the Message Translation, we read, You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And I love the image of that, that we've lost something that's dear and special and precious to us, but in the midst of that, the one who is more dear to us will embrace us and comfort us. I love the warmth that that passage conveys. The Passion Translation says something that's very different. 
What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you're looking for. And the reason that's so different is the Hebrew word for mourn is very similar, almost identical to the Hebrew word for wait. So they put wait in that passage instead of mourn. And the word comfort means to see the face of what or who you long for. And so we read that verse, what delight comes when you wait upon the Lord for you will find what you're looking for. And those three different translations all help to paint the big picture of what the verse really means. And I think it means that when we have times of sorrow and grief and mourning, that we know we'll be comforted and move into a deeper relationship with God when we wait upon him. When we go about our normal life and things are running smoothly, we can sometimes forget about our relationship with God. In, the, uh, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30, the Good News translation says, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And when we have those painful times and we're in grief or we're in mourning, we start to think about the big things of life and particularly about God and how he's important to us and we're important to him. Think about a time where perhaps you've suffered some kind of loss, um, maybe the loss of a loved one or perhaps uh, a hope or a dream that you've held long in your heart has been dashed. Or maybe you've had to relinquish something and let it go. Or uh, perhaps your life has taken a new direction, an unexpected twist that you, you don't want, um, but you suddenly find yourself there. And I wonder if you've had those times, can you recall someone coming alongside you to be with you and to comfort you? If that's the case, you would appreciate the depth of relationship that you would have that, with that person and that bond that can't be broken. And that's what happens to us when we go through these times with God. The deeper the sorrow, the deeper the grief we have, I believe the deeper we can experience something more of God and his comfort and compassion for us. I recently heard a young woman telling a story. She was reflecting on a time in her life where she felt so much comfort and love from her father. She said that during her teenage years, the relationship with her father was very tense. They're both very headstrong people. They argued a lot. Um, she felt he was judgmental and always giving advice that wasn't wanted. Um, he felt that she never listened and they clashed a lot. Sadly, in her late 20s, this young lady went through marriage divorce. They'd only been married a couple of years. And she was going through a terrible time of struggle and grief and mourning over the, the loss of this relationship. She was at the family home one day, just feeling really low. And she went out to the back, sat on the step, and was just there by herself. And her father came and sat beside her. And all he did was put his arm around her. Not a word was spoken. She said that was an unusual thing because she was waiting for judgment or advice, or you should have done this, or why didn't you do that? And they just sat in silence for a long time, him with his arm around her. And she said not only did that give her the comfort that she needed in that sad time, but it also helped to heal the difficult time that they'd had when she was a teenager. This girl was my cousin, and she was sharing this story at the funeral of her father, my uncle. 
the deeper the need, the deeper the comfort that we can have. When I look through the Bible, there's three different kinds of sorrow and mourning that can come upon us. The first, obviously, is that of a loss. As I've mentioned, where our loved one or something special and precious um, is no more. In John chapter 11, we read the story of the friend of Jesus, Lazarus. And Lazarus and his two sisters had known Jesus, and they're mentioned a few times in the Bible. And Jesus was sent a message that Lazarus was quite unwell, and could he come and heal him? Jesus delayed going to meet Lazarus and his sisters by a few days. And by the time he arrived, Lazarus had passed away. And the sisters said to Jesus, if only you had been here sooner, you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. Jesus asked them some questions and they had a discussion. And that led the sisters to a deeper understanding of who Jesus was. He's the resurrection and the life, the bread of life. Jesus then went into the tomb Lazarus had been dead for four days, but he brought him back to life. What an amazing miracle that would be. But I believe the comfort and the blessing in that story is even greater than having the brother again. I believe the sisters learned something more about Jesus. And that was the real key to that story and the real blessing there, the deeper understanding they had of Jesus. In the Psalms, we can read a lot about people who cry out to the Lord in their grief and in their despair. Um, I just picked one, Psalm 5. The first verse, the writer talks about the groanings that he has. He says, hear my prayers, God, hear my groanings, pay attention to my need. And as that Psalm continues, the last verse says, you bless the godly, you surround them with your shield of love. And I love how that psalmist started with grief and with sorrow and desperation and finishes by knowing that God has a shield of love around him. How amazing is that? The Bible also tells us that Jesus himself was a man who knew sorrow and was acquainted with grief. He gets it. It's not as though he doesn't understand what we go through. And so the comfort that he can give during our loss is something that he understands personally. In Revelation 21, verse 3, we read this amazing verse. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. And verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I believe that's the ultimate blessing, the ultimate comfort, isn't it? That we go through the difficulties and challenges of this world and know that ultimately we'll be with God and there'll be no more mourning, sorrow or pain. So when we lose something and we're sorrowful about that and we're in grief, we know that there's a blessing and that blessing is closeness to God who is our comforter and a deeper relationship with him. The second way that I see in the Bible that we can mourn and be sorrowful is when we realize our sinful nature, when it dawns on us that we're hopeless, that we can't make ourselves right with God. We're in a very difficult state. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians 7.10 that talks about this. 
For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Isn't that an amazing phrase? The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. And that realisation of who we are and our helplessness brings us to repentance and salvation. God wants us to be aware of that. I guess it's a bit like the, uh, the verse that Pam was sharing last week about being spiritually poor. So I won't say too much about that, except to point out that even the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament felt that way. He had this vision of God and God's glory all around him. And in that vision, Isaiah realized how sinful he was. And he said, I am doomed. It's all over. I am a sinful person. And God's holiness does show up our sinfulness, but yet we don't stand accused. We stand forgiven and made clean in his sight. When we realize our state, we realize it's not hopeless. Our sin is not hopeless, that God has made the way for us and we can turn to him and find new life through Jesus. So if the sorrow or the mourning that we're feeling is about our sinful state, there's a blessing in drawing close to God who is our salvation. And the third way in the Bible that I read about sorrow and mourning that comes across, across people is when God has put a burden in our hearts for those around us. Typically, we read about that in the Old Testament, the prophets who felt for the nation, they repented for the nation, they wanted to call the nation back to God and away from their godless ways. Even Jesus in Matthew 23 felt that as, as well. He mourned over Jerusalem and its people, saying how he wanted to gather them together like a hen that protects her cheeks under her wings. And I wonder whether God's ever placed a burden in your heart for other people, um, for a friend, a family member, a neighbour, a community, a city or the nation. And there's this sorrow and mourning that goes along with that. But again, there's comfort. And we read in Isaiah 61 verse 2, He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come, and with it the day of God's anger against the enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a precious blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. So if we have that burden for others and that causes sorrow and mourning, we know that there is hope and that verse convinces us of that. So if that's how you're feeling sorrowful and uh, in mourning, know that the blessing is drawing close to God who is the God of hope. I wonder where you're at with all of this. Perhaps life is on a fairly even keel for you at the moment and you don't sense that sorrow or grief. But, you know, we never know where it comes. It can be just around the corner. If you're feeling a personal loss and grieving over something, let me remind you that God will comfort you. Draw close to him. And he will bless you through his comfort. If you're feeling sorrowful at your sinful state, remember that God is a God of redemption and salvation, and you can find comfort in that. 
If you're feeling a burden for those around you, remember that God is a God of hope and you can find comfort and blessing in that. I want to read that verse from the Passion Translation again. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. I think the clue is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, I love the image of my cousin sitting on the back step of the house and her father, my uncle, sitting next to her with his arm around her. And if you're feeling that way in your life at the moment, that there's sorrow and mourning and grief that you just can't deal with and you're sitting alone on the step, remember you're not alone, that God is with you. He's got his arm around you and he's whispering in your ear, it's okay, we'll get through this together. We can do it and just feel that comfort from God. And I think if we've flipped things upside down and we're looking at life through God's perspective, we're on the top floor of that house and we're taking advantage of all that God has for us. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you are a God who is with us all the time, that you comfort us that you call us into a deeper relationship, that you've walked through this path of sorrow and you know what it's like. Father, I pray that when we go through those dark times, that we will know that there's a blessing of going through that with you, that you're our comforter, you're the person who loves us, and you will bring us through. Amen. <laughs>